0: He's not only a pastor, but he is an author. He is a missionary, a discipler, a trainer of disciples. He has a wonderful story. His name is Pastor Don McClafferty, and this is our conversation. Don. Thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you taking your time. Absolutely. It's a joy to be here with you. Here's what I want to do with you. We'll start at the beginning by having you tell me what you're doing right now.
1: What do you do? My wife and I, and my wife's name is April. uh, So April and I are full-time volunteer missionaries. And our God-given call and our God-given passion is to disciple the new generations. And we want them to know how awesome it is to trust Jesus Christ, and follow Jesus and share Jesus with all the power of the Holy Spirit and the mechanism to do that is primarily the home which has been set aside many times when I
0: first got to know you you were leading an organization uh, in eastern Tennessee called kids in discipleship so that's grown yes uh, I, to, I want to be a little specific about the kinds
1: of things you're doing and the sorts of places you're going okay so The first thing is to call the generations to a revival with Jesus, because a revival is to wake us up and to see the power of the Lord Jesus to break open our hearts to our need for him. So we start out with revival, and then we train primarily parents and anybody else that has a calling to be a mentor, to be a disciple maker of their children and of their teenagers, their youth and then uh, we come alongside those families as they are growing to be disciples and we we, uh, encourage them and give them tools to be disciple makers out into the community yeah
0: i know you're traveling there are times you travel to foreign countries and uh, do all kinds of interesting things such as just tell me briefly because we'll circle back
1: Yes, um, we go into every continent except one. There's one that we just don't touch, Antarctica. But outside of Antarctica, we we go wherever God calls. If he called me to Antarctica, yeah, I'd sure. go there too, of yeah, course. Yeah, I wouldn't be a little surprised. Yeah, but uh, we also go where it's difficult to go. Yeah. Sometimes we have to go uh, where you can't tell anybody where you're going. Mm. And Jesus knows where I'm going, and my wife knows, and a few family members, and, and that's it. And a few prayer partners
0: which is really interesting because if you think about countries like that and and of course you've said enough but you say oh those are tough places yes but god is calling you even to those places what we would call closed countries to share jesus and to teach discipleship to people even behind closed doors yes really interesting you know i want to come back and we'll do this in a few moments and and ask you about this when 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 we first met and you you were teaching people to disciple their children Mm mm-hmm which doesn't happen much very often these days. I, I know that's a blanket statement, but there's, this is a great lack. The church is only ever as strong as the home. Right. So what you're doing is of the utmost importance, but let's get to that in a moment. We'll go back to the beginning. Where did all this start? Where did you spring from? Mm.
1: Well, I was born and raised in the first early years in Hawaii, the island of Oahu. Hawaii. Oh, tough. Yes. And so the, that was my first Almost seven years. Was this, was this a church work or military or, or what that had you in My parents life? are teachers, and so they taught there, there. And so I was born and raised there. Then we Fantastic. moved to Tennessee. All right. I spent a good share of my life in the beautiful South. Amen. But then have been all over the United States and also just most recently have been in the beautiful province of Alberta, Alberta Canada. Alberta,
0: Canada. Alberta.
1: Yes. Yeah. Forty below zero sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's cold. Hey, so let's talk about this business about uh, ministry, because somehow you, you, you found up yourself
1: in ministry. That was right after college, was it? Yes. Oh, uh, okay. in the, during the college years, I, I had thought that I was going to be an elementary school teacher. Oh. And then Which got is really the, interesting, because you ended up focusing on ministry to kids. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I also, to this day, believe that teaching ministry is just as much a ministry as pastoral ministry. Amen. So in those years, God slowly, slowly drew me from, from teaching in a classroom to teaching and preaching wherever God sends me. And so uh, he, and he stirred my heart with that. But I had, no, I had no calling or understanding that it was going to be discipling the new generations. Mm, mm-hmm. I knew that I loved children and youth and ministry to them, and, but did not understand yet how important it was to minister to their families, yeah. not just the new generations.
0: Yeah, yeah, really interesting. So, where did this? Where did the call to ministry come from? Were you in college at the time? Were you a high school senior? When did you know you were, God wanted you to be a in pastor? In the middle.
1: In the middle of the college years. Oh yeah, that happened. Yeah? Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so you you did your your theology training. Yes.
1: And what happened next? Where were you called? Where'd you go? Oh, uh, we went. Uh, actually, I took uh, about six months out, five months out, in. Uh, Tennessee, they, they lost a pastor and they needed somebody to work with their youth. So I went out in the middle of my college years. Oh, yeah. And went out for five months, got my feet wet, so to speak. Right. And was moved in my heart that this was definitely a calling from God. So, where have you served along the way? In, in pastoral ministry. Let's, let's cover that and then yes. the, we'll drill down. So, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, those states I've been in. And then uh, Michigan. Yeah. And then back to Tennessee. And I should say in Gulf, uh, all the Gulf states, regions, so Alabama, Mississippi, Panhandle of Florida, yeah. and then California. And then God uh, gave me a different call. Uh, still ministry, but he tweaked it. Mm-hmm. What did he do? Well, at 3 a.m. one morning, he awakened me from a deep, deep sleep. I had come back from being, in, I think, in Russia, where I was helping parents disciple their kids to Christ. And he awakened me out of a deep sleep and my heart was pounding because it was not an audible voice, but I knew God was getting my attention. I knew he was awakening me from the sleep and he called me by name. So I threw on my warm clothes and went out below the mountain and I said, God, uh, why did you wake me up? I know you're getting my attention. Now, my wife and I had been praying for a couple of months and saying, God, what do you want us to do in our ministry? Because we loved our ministry right in Clovis, California. And we also have our global nonprofit ministry for helping disciple the new generations. But both were growing. So what do we do? Because you can't grow like this permanently without being stretched in a dangerous way. Yeah. So, And in that early morning, um, after much, much prayer and waiting on God, no answers at first. And it was cool and chilly. And I, and I was tempted to go back. And God kept saying, I called you out here. So seek me on this. So I I waited and prayed under the stars. And I had this Bible out on an old log, like a stump. And it was all zipped up. And I said, God, whatever you're about to tell me, please anchor it in your word. Because I have a feeling you're going to stretch my faith with what you're about to tell me next. I need something to hang on to. And so as I waited on him, that still small voice of God said to my heart, to my mind, go to Ecclesiastes 3. So... I opened my Bible and got my flashlight out and found Ecclesiastes 3, which is there's a time for everything, God says, and everything's beautiful in his time, not in your time, John, or my time, but in God's time. And so I said, I know that passage. And as soon as I said that, and God said, and that's your danger, you think you know it but you don't know the timing I'm about to talk to you about. So I said, okay. So I, I, I quieted down a little bit, and, and I said, "Good." Then humble my heart all over again. Help me to read it as if I did not know that passage. And so I read through it again, and then I closed the Bible, and I said, so what is it time for me to do? And he said, it's time for you to resign being a paid pastor. And I said, well, why do you want me to do that? He said, I want you to be free to go anytime, anywhere, any cost the gospel of jesus christ i want you to focus on calling young and old children youth adults to revival and focus secondarily right out of the revival to equipping parents teachers pastors other people who care about the new generations equipping them to disciple the new generations so not just sit in church but to live as a disciple of jesus who disciples others they need to have the the joy of discipling others while you're a kid while you're a teenager yeah. That was the call. Okay. Uh, that
0: opens up a can of worms for me here. I want to ask you about how you, how you launched into discipleship ministry. But I'm going to ask the question that everyone wants me to ask right now. There are some people hear God's voice uh, telling him to, to run off with the neighbor's wife. That was God who told me. There are some people hear God's voice telling him to jump off a bridge Some people never hear God's voice. Mm -hmm. God never speaks to them. Uh, Both extremes are pretty dangerous spiritually. Yes, yes. You're talking about a very intimate experience with God Mm -hmm. where He's communicating with you rather directly. Mm -hmm. How can people enter into an experience like Mm -hmm. that? How can a person have an experience like that Mm -hmm. and at the same time know that it's rational Mm -hmm. and Mm faith-based and they're not fooling
1: themselves? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good question. So uh, for me, uh, the most dangerous spot I can be in is to not surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord. So if I want to know the will of Jesus as my Lord, I need to surrender fully to him. and sure. like, like not just intellectually, I mean with my whole life. And, and so even like that early morning, right there at the stump, I was on my knees and I said, Jesus, I surrender all I am as a person, all I have. You know, time, talent, treasure, whatever. Um, successes, failures, all I am, I, all I have, including my, this is my most difficult one, my attitude. Mm, I surrender my attitude to Jesus as Lord. So that act of surrender is very, very pivotal to knowing the will of God. I also ask in Jesus' name, who has all power and authority, keep Satan from confusing me. Push him back so that I can hear you clearly. I, I pray next through James 1, 5 through 8. God, give me wisdom. You promised it in James 1, 5. So I'm asking and it says, ask you know, and believe and don't doubt. I sometimes would stop with asking it, and, I, and I, over the years I've messed up on that one, John. Sure. I've asked and then as soon as he gave me wisdom, I started to try to se- second guess it. And then uh, the hard part for me, because I, I'm a man that likes to, to move and act, is to wait on God after I ask for wisdom And in Jeremiah 33, it says call to me and I will answer you and I'll tell you great and mighty things you don't know Well, just as you think about that if he's gonna tell you great and mighty things You don't know it means you must pause if you're not pausing you're not gonna hear So sometimes John I have asked for wisdom and like and thank you so much Oh, and now I've got to get into my day. Sure. So I've asked and run So if we want to know God's will, we need to ask and wait. Like literally, like uh, if it's a desperate situation, sometimes on my face before God, in private, uh, on our knees, uh, in in a way that for for you and me, we know for us, we're humbling ourselves before God. And then, uh, just as important as all of these, in Isaiah 8.20, to the law and to the testimony, if it doesn't speak according to this, there's no light in them. So, I take that principle and I say, whatever is my landing point of what I understand to be the wisdom of God, then I say, God, here's here's your written word. Now, is there anything in your word that your Holy Spirit can show me that would affirm my landing point? Or is there anything in your word that you can use to disturb me that I don't quite get it yet? And so I ask him, and then as the Holy Spirit leads me, I go through the Word, looking at principles, testing my landing point to see, is it sound to the Word of God? You have had people tell you you're
0: crazy. Oh, yes. Yeah. You yes. have to have. There's a danger for Christians. You can, you, you can find them. Everything is the voice of God. Yes. Everything. Yes. And then for others, oh, that, that doesn't ever happen. So what do you, how do you answer somebody who says, oh, that's just a little crazy, God doesn't speak like that? Of course He does. How, how do you respond? There, there's, a, there's an education process, perhaps.
1: Yes. How, how do you, or do you, respond yes. to that? Uh, well, one thing is, I'm, I'm very interested in knowing family, friends, acquaintances, or even strangers. If someone comes up and really is disturbed by what my conviction is, you know, God's called me to do this next or whatever, then uh, would they pray with me about it? is there is there a principle of scripture that maybe i'm neglecting sure Uh, so i think we have to be open to god giving wisdom through our family friends those that walk with god around us and uh and be open to them challenging us and but we should also see are you challenging me out of this position or is it out of fear
0: Mm. good questions good points uh, you did something that, let me see, not anyone else had ever done. Children's ministry has been around for just about as long as there've been children. Mm-hmm. But while you were pastoring in a church in Tennessee, you did something a little bit different. Now, now, in discipleship is is your organization. Mm-hmm. I got to know you when you were leading something called Kids in Discipleship, Mm -hmm. encouraging people, particularly in churches. I I, I visited you while I was a local church pastor. And that's still the core
1: of what we do, Kids in
0: Discipleship. That's a departure from the norm. It's not regular old children's ministry, and I'm not putting a damper on that. Mm. This was different. Yes. How did God lead you into this to help you to see the importance of this and then convince you you really needed to be focusing on discipling kids? so mm-hmm. important. How yes. did God get you to that? What did you go
1: through? Yes, I was a youth director at the time in Alabama, Mississippi, Pan- Panhandle, Florida. Love working with youth. And I kept running into these kinds of conversations. Parents would come up to me. Don, uh, we did A, B, C, D, E, F, G for our kids. We gave them Christian education. We took them to church. We spent time with them. We played with them, did, played ball with them, whatever. All these kinds of wonderful things. And we lost them not only to the church, but in some cases they say we lost them to Jesus. Mm. What did we do wrong? Yeah. Now, I heard this once, twice, but then I heard it again and again and again. And it disturbed me so greatly that my wife and I started crying out to God, well, what are we missing? One day as I was hiking down a trail, literally, I was pleading with God. God, I may not be the right one to, to hear uh, an idea about what we can do differently for the new generations, but I'm an open guy. I'm open to you. I'm a willing guy. But I may not be the right one. But God, is there anything you can tell me? And as I'm walking down the trail, I had a very abrupt encounter with God. Mm. Unseen, not verbal, you know, not audible, I should say, but right to my heart and to my mind again, engaging both. Important, by the way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to engage both. And that still small voice of God said, Don, the problem is that you are not discipling the kids. And he was confronting me as a pastor, but also I believe he was confronting us as Christians and believers in God. I recoiled on the trail. And I was like, uh, not discipling the kids, and I listed to him everything I could think of that we do as Christians for the new generations. And, uh, you know, all kinds of things we do. And programs based. And at the end of it, that still small voice of God said, is it possible that a child can go through all of those things those programs, and come out the other side and still not be my disciple. Mm. And I was like, oh, I said, Lord, I said, not only is it possible, it happens all the time. Are you with me there? Does that make sense?
0: Oh, oh, am I ever? Uh, You you, you hit on a point here. We we convince ourselves in church and in church work that a program is sufficient.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And nothing could be further from the truth. Programs may be good, may be helpful, may not be helpful, but a program
1: doesn't doesn't no kid was ever converted by a program yes okay no yes so he wasn't finished and so i was okay now now he got my attention i was like okay maybe we don't really disciple so much maybe we just do programs for kids and for teenagers mm-hmm. and youth and i said is anything else i was a little bit nervous to say and that still small voice said secondly you are divorcing children and youth from their parents and again i was like that was even stronger i said Whoa, I said, God, I love the family. I, I love kids and their families. I, you know, what, what are you saying? He said, think back to everything that you do with kids and youth and, and you know, university students. And, and so I thought, you know, all the programs and things that, that April and I have done with kids and youth. And he said, haven't you bypassed the parents? Aren't the parents supposed to be the primary spiritual mentor of the child? I was like, uh, and I didn't know what to say. Probably, but they're busy. I started giving excuses for them. He said, You've divorced them from their God given role to disciple their own children.
0: I want to find out what happened next, and I know you do too. He is Pastor Don McClafferty. I'm John Bradshaw. This is our conversation. We'll be back with more in just a moment. You know that at It Is Written we are serious about the study of the Word of God, and we encourage you to be serious about God's Word also. Well, I want to share with you another way that you can dig deeper into the Word of God, and here it is, itiswritten.study. Go online to itiswritten.study and you can access the It Is Written Bible Study Guides. 25 in-depth Bible studies that will walk you through the Bible. It's going to be good for you, and it's the sort of thing that you will want to tell somebody else about so that they can dig deeper into the Word of God and come to know the things of the Bible intimately. As you get into the It Is Written online Bible study guides, you'll understand the prophecies of the Bible, the plan of salvation, and more. So don't forget, itiswritten.study. It is written dot study. Welcome back to Conversations. My guest is Pastor Don McLafferty. Don, just a moment ago, you were telling me about a conversation you were having with God that ended up transforming your ministry yes. and the lives of... Uh, Countless people. Let's get back to where we were. I want, I want yes. to hear more about this.
1: So, God did, had challenged me on the trail, you're divorcing parents from their children. And I had said, Why? Why do you say that? And he said, Because you are bypassing the parent as a primary spiritual mentor. And I thought, as I thought through everything that I had done with kids over the years and youth over the years, it's true. We had youth programs, right. campouts, and, yep. and special programs sure. uh, for them. And where was the parent in that? Well, we had a few, but they were sidelines, side items. In fact, sometimes even the, the youth team around me would say, oh, the parents cause problems, you know, they're, they're getting in the way. Wow. So I was convicted on, on two fronts. And I said, so God, what am I supposed to do with this? And he said, start a ministry that addresses this. Call the parents back. Equip the parents to be the, the primary disciple maker of their own children. And I had no clue where to begin. Let me ask you this. What, what's your response?
0: What's your reaction from the typical parent when you look him in the eye and say, but you are to be the disciple maker in your family? My imagine is you're going to get the deer in the headlights thing. Absolutely. But, but isn't that the, 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 the Bible class teacher mm-hmm. in church? Isn't that what church school is for? It's a, yeah. Oddly enough, yes. it's a foreign
1: concept to many yes. Christian
0: parents. Why is that?
1: Yeah, a classic example is one, one pulled me aside, uh, a very educated person, and said very quietly, looked around both ways, literally to the left and to the right, and said, I love the idea of discipling my children. No one discipled me. Yeah, No one discipled me. And so we, we have to, to start out with saying, you know, it's all right. Probably m- most of us on the planet we're not intentionally discipled by someone because we've thought programmed so long. And so we start out with coming alongside of the the parent in a small group setting with other parents, uh, grandparents, or mentors. It could be uncles, aunts, or even big brothers, big sisters. But we're really after the parent primarily. And we help them grow as a disciple first of Jesus, an intentional disciple, following Jesus wherever he calls you through the written word of God. And secondarily, how do you come alongside of your children so you can be an intentional disciple maker? Give me two, three, four, five principles
0: quickly. We've got other things to talk about. I don't want you to, to, to share the entire discipleship program, but what is, what, give, give me some points. What are the sort of things you tell parents?
1: Um, you can't take a child on a journey that you're not on. Point one. So, Amen. Powerful. Yeah. So if you want your child to walk with Jesus, walk with him. If you want your child in the word, then enjoy him every day. If you want your your child to to pray, then pray and not just over dinner.
0: Right. Absolutely. Okay? Give me another couple.
1: Another one is we we could uh, talk about these be, things
0: at length. Yes. Maybe yes. another time, but If you are fantastic. if
1: you're going to disciple your child to Jesus, it's, it's all based on relationship. If you don't have time to play with your kid, then your kid probably doesn't have time to pray with you
2: Mm mm-hmm
0: yeah
1: so those those are two very powerful things
0: yeah how did this develop the 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 discipleship uh, aspect or the training what
1: did you witness what did you see and how did it affect and and, uh, impact lives well uh, it started out slow of course as everything uh, does from the beginning You have to have a beginning point and but then I saw a light start coming on in parents eyes and here is a classic thing that happened, and this, is, was, this happened many, many times. One man who was a very busy father, very successful in his own business, never cracked open this book, basically, unless if he was in a religious you know, ceremony or you know, public worship, not privately. Yeah. So he got convicted uh, in those, those, those small group settings, as we did studies together. He got convicted, I need to be in this book. But he was a little embarrassed about it, and so one day when he was on vacation, he waited till, you know, he got up early in the morning, he waited till no one else was around, and so he cracked open the Bible for probably the first time outside of a public time, okay? So he's, he's in the Bible like this. Now, his kid, probably 10 or so, comes down a little later. His dad is, is so engrossed with what he's finding because he's discovering Jesus for himself. He's actually getting excited about the one that he believes in but hasn't really met in his heart. So he's engrossed like this. He needs studying. And he doesn't notice that his, his, his son, boom, 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 comes down the, chairs, uh, the stairs. And he comes right up to him, screeches to his halt. And he says, <gasps> Dad, what are you doing? Like that, like shocked, like literally shocked. And he says, well, what do you mean, what am I doing? You're you're reading the Bible? I mean, he was that shocked. Now, this is a Christian home. But, my friend, it is very easy to be a Christian home, but not be into Christ and not be into the Word. And so the son was shocked to see his busy, busy dad actually breaking open this book. And the dad kind of got a little red in the face, but he said, you're right. You haven't seen me in this book, and I haven't been here, son. But I'm going here now because I want to know Jesus for myself. And I want you to know him for yourself. Pull up a chair. The boy pulls up a chair. Together, they read scripture together. Oh, fantastic. Now, I know some people might say, nice, no big deal. No, big deal. Yeah. It shook up that father and son. It shook up their relationship. This led to the father being intimately uh, involved in his son's walk with Jesus. It, it moved into him taking his son uh, downtown where they lived and serving others that had much less than they did. Uh, you see how something that happens in your heart can't stay there. It went from the father to the son and then together going out and doing something for others in the name of Christ. So
0: someone right now is thinking, oh, and this is, that's me talking about. I haven't read the Bible. I, 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 I go to church. I'm on the church board. I read the Bible text every so often. People look at me as a pillar, but I'm not. What's your advice to that person? Because
1: hmm. there's start. lots of them. Don't oh, yes, 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 yes. So don't beat yourself up over it. Okay. And, and don't be driven by guilt about it because guilt can even keep us away from this, thinking, well, I've already gone through so much of my life, and so why should I start now? And I'm probably not going to understand it anyway. And there's just a couple... Simple principles. Before you even break open the Bible, before you even open it, pray humbly and say, God, you don't have to say these words, but pray for this. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Say, I need the Holy Spirit to be my teacher. Because the Word of God says that, Jesus said to himself, right in the Word, he says, I don't leave you as an orphan. So like, you don't have to read this by yourself. I don't leave you as an orphan. I send you the Comforter. And he goes on to, to say who the Comforter is. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides you to all truth. So you pray for the Holy Spirit before you open the Word of God. When you open the Word of God, know what you're looking for. Now, this was something that I missed out on too much of my life, even, even in full-time ministry. Oh, there's so many fascinating topics, so many fascinating things. But then one day when I, was, I came to John, Gospel of John, 539, I found out that simple passage where Jesus, he probably didn't have the physical word with him, but speaking of scriptures, he says, these are the scriptures that testify about me. Me, meaning the Savior, Jesus Christ. Sure. That simple statement unlocks the whole written word of God. So if, as you said, if, if someone's listening right now, someone's watching right now, and they're saying, where do I begin? You always begin by praying for the Holy Spirit to guide you into truth. Who's the truth? Jesus is the truth. He said, In John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So look for Jesus. Now, why is it such a big deal? As you look for Jesus, all of a sudden, these pages take on life. Let's pick on a book that I know is one of your favorites, Revelation. Great book. The first five words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. If someone would just read the book of Revelation looking to see what kind of uh, portrait is being painted of the true jesus christ in this all of a sudden it comes alive that's right and it's not just doctrine but it's truly a painting of who the real jesus christ mm-hmm, is mm-hmm.
0: which is what the bible is there for to give us a revelation of god the whole thing to show us jesus that we can experience yes uh, if, if we come to the bible and say this is a living book that can set me a light change my life well we can start to experience something I, I want to talk with you so much more about the, the discipling kids, but if, if we st- stop there, we'll miss some things. What kind of a crazy man quits his job as a pastor, a perfectly good town you're in in Central California,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: to be unpaid and take this on full time? Maybe, maybe, uh, well, maybe we we'll have the answer. We know what kind of crazy man you did. Uh, describe that journey what it looked like you're already involved up to here with discipleship and discipling and families and kids and so on god clearly wanted to take you somewhere else so you became an unpaid volunteer in a foreign country let's step back from the 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 ministry of dawn and talk about the experience of dawn for a second what was
1: that like well when Now I wish I could look you in the eye and say that that morning, that as soon the second as that that God gave me that right to my heart, that I said yes, Lord, I'm in. But I was thinking about my wife. I have to be honest, which I I love, and and I think it's appropriate that you were. And I was thinking about the fact that now, by the way, we're we're almost to celebrate 33 years together. So we've been tracking together for a long time. Fantastic. And uh, I love Jesus as number one, but she's she's number two. Yeah. And in all the world. And she's also my best friend after Jesus. So I was a little, actually more than a little concerned. How do I explain this to April? And so I was praying about that. And I said, God, I need to see her. I need to look into her eyes. The eyes of the one that that I love so, so much. And I need to know that I'm hearing you right. Have I heard you right? So I asked him a second time. And that still small voice said, you've already heard me. I wish I could say I stopped right then, but I was really, really nervous. My heart was thumping. I, I, I felt that God was definitely talking to me, but was there any nuance? Was there anything that I was missing? I asked him one more time, have I heard you directly? This biblical precedent that Gideon, Gideon checked and double-checked. And the answer was yes. So I literally took this Bible and I zipped it up. And uh, now I didn't have to have the flashlight. The sun was just barely coming up. And I trucked back. My heart was beating and I knew what I needed to do. And April was just waking up. And she said, we've been praying for about two months for God's direction on this. Do we have good news? Now, Now, John, how would you answer if your wife says good news when you know that what you're about to tell her is we're about to leave our paid job and just go wherever God calls next? Yeah. You know, would you be a little nervous? I'd be I'm a putting little you nervous. on the spot, yeah, sorry. But, right. I might so,
0: be a little nervous. <laughs> so, yeah. I, was a lot. I, I
1: think I'd say we have good news. It sort of depends on how you define that word good. Yes, I said, there's good news, and I said, uh, I think we better pray first. So we, now our eyes were big, because whenever I say we got to pray first, yeah, she, she knows, knows something's something. coming. Because we've had other things that God's called us to do. So we get on our knees together, and we pray. And we get up, and I said, now look. I said, when God called you and me to be husband and wife, we are a team. I said, I'm about to tell you something that's way out there beyond anything he's ever asked of us or called us to do ever before. I said, if God is in this, I trust that he will show you. Maybe not in this second, but maybe in the days ahead, whatever. Now, there was little tears in her eyes. I mean, she knew, it wasn't that she was was like discouraged. She was moved in her heart. She knew this was a serious moment. This is big. She said, okay, tell me. So I told the story that I just told you. And she listened. And I was prepared. I didn't know if she would start crying, like weeping, because, you know, we have three children. And my wife is a mama bear of those children. I mean, she, she makes sure that they have clothing and education and food and everything, and that's wonderful. She's an awesome mom. And I did not know what her reaction would be. She looked me in the eye, and she's a very quiet and gentle person. She's my, she's my opposite, okay? So I'm on the shyer side, and she said very quietly, this is what God has spoken, so this is what we'll do. And it's almost like, uh, can can you say that again? I mean, that's what I felt like saying. I I almost fell over because I was in shock. I was not expecting this is what God has spoken, this is what we'll do. And in fact, just even moments later, I was troubled by her faith. And I'll tell you why. Because if it was switched around and she came back to me, after such an encounter in the word and in prayer and said, Don, God is telling us to drop what we're doing and go wherever he calls. Would I have said to April, this is what God has spoken to you and this is what we'll do. I'm just being honest with you. It, it troubled my own, my own faith journey, as, but, but it was also precious and delightful. Let me ask oh. you
0: this question, Don. Yeah. So as a pastor, your, your mm-hmm. duties are very clearly defined. Yes. You know what you do from day to day. Yes. You know what you're building towards each week. And then yeah. you have your, your discipleship ministry uh, with that. Yes. So you have a full schedule every day. Yes. When you drop that, mm-hmm. you take a step into the unknown. Mm-hmm. It would be one thing if you said, well, we've got these 50 speaking engagements mm-hmm. and these 50 training seminars. Yeah. And there's no way else I can <clears throat> fit it in. So mm-hmm. I need to quit this and do that full time. Were you stepping into a full schedule? No, or were you step wide? Well, and what we're going to do? We're just going to follow God.
1: We had we had many things happening globally sure. in, our, in the nonprofit. Yes, but uh, those those invitations were based on um, on my timing outside of my pastoring. So it was kind of like uh, half and half. Sure. but it's never half and half. Yeah. You know, so no, it was it was not going into something that was all pre-planned. Yeah. Or prepare. See, I can see, I can see, I can see myself doing that.
0: Oh yeah, look, it's the only way we can get all this done, and you know the demands on our time, and so so let's do that. It all makes sense. But it wasn't, it wasn't that. So that was a step of faith.
1: Absolutely. And 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 uh, the focus though is not on how big our faith was. The focus is on how mighty is God. Oh sure. Is really that's the deal. Yeah. Because he's as mighty for you as for me and for all those watching right now. Right? He's oh he is. Oh yeah, no question. We ate breakfast, and we determined as we ate breakfast and prayed again that if we played around with this conviction, even for a moment, even for a day, John, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just knowing ourselves, that we may have friends or family that we share with, and we could get discouraged because of the very things that you asked me about a little bit ago. So people can say, that's crazy. You have three kids. Sure. They're still going through uh, education. You know, who, What do you think you're doing? And so uh, I threw on a suit and tie and went that morning, to my boss, and I said, this is what has happened. I told the same story I told you. And I said, so look, uh, this was like November 22, 2016. And I said, look, we're about to close the year out. So I'm going to take these last five or six weeks and tie off properly uh, here, because we're an equipping, we're, I'm an equipping kind of pastor. So there's equipping things that we're right in the middle of and also with the area that we're in. And then I said, then I offered to be a volunteer while you're looking for another pastor. But it will be on the basis of as I can, because I will be now with the focus that God's given me globally. So the, my boss uh, knelt down and prayed with me. And he said, I believe that God is moving in this. I'm very concerned, though. I have to be honest with you. And he said, I'm very concerned. Who's going to provide for you? Sure. He said, is in discipleship your ministry going to pay you uh, something? No. Is it going to, are they going to pay a, a stipend? No. I said, our ministry is a give model. We don't sell anything. So it's just give. Hmm. He said, I have to say, I'm going to register my concern. Who is going to take care of your family?
0: Well, those questions were answered. I'm looking forward to finding out some more of those answers. So when we get back on the other side of this break, I want to ask you, how did things open up when you stepped into the water? I want want you to tell me about how the Jordan just yes. opened up for you. Then we'll talk a little bit about what you're doing now. You've got some books you've written I want to find out about. Then there's plenty to talk about. This is a story of great faith in a great and a mighty God. And what I'm hoping today is that Don's experience with God will encourage you to have a wonderful close experience with God of your own. We'll be right back.
2: This is Pearl. When Pearl heard about the Eyes for India initiative, she decided she was going to take matters into her own hands. When Pearl's birthday came around, she invited all of her friends over for a birthday party, and the theme of the party was Eyes for India. She told her friends about the thousands of people in India who couldn't see, and how this critical eye surgery could change their lives. Instead of gifts, Pearl asked that her friends bring donations for this important project. Because of Pearl's influence, seven people are now able to see. Her story inspired our brand new mission kit. It's a box that has everything you need to fundraise your own project for Eyes for India. Whether it's at the front desk of your business, part of your small group, or a special church project, this kit is guaranteed to change lives. We can't wait to hear about all the creative ways you find to make this resource come to life, just like Pearl.
3: Hello, I'm Dr. David DeRose, a specialist in internal medicine and preventive medicine. And I've been surprised over the years in working with patients and studying the medical research literature just how powerful hemorrheology is when it comes to health. You may be wondering, what is hemorrheology? Well, I call it the Methuselah Factor, and that's the title of my book. The Methuselah Factor really helps you connect with things that can help your blood be more fluid. You say, why is that important? It's important because it can help you decrease your risk of a stroke or a heart attack, even lower your risk of cancer. But it's a whole lot more than just preventing killer diseases. If you improve your blood fluidity, your mind will work better, you'll perform physically better, and you'll decrease your risk of dementia. So don't hesitate. Dive into the Methuselah factor. Make a difference in your life and the life of those that you love.
0: Thanks for joining me for Conversations, where my guest is Pastor Don McLafferty, who moments ago put his toes in the Jordan River. I want to find out what happened, to Don, when you decided that, said, I'm quitting my job, I'm going to travel to another place to take on a, a, an entirely faith-based volunteer role. What did you experience? I mean, immediately, the, the money poured in and the speaking assignments stacked up on top of each other. Or oh, how did it play out? Because wow. this was... This was a step into
1: the unknown. <laughs> yes. Uh, it wasn't quite that exciting. Uh-huh. So <laughs> It I, never is. I mean, it, it was exciting in a different way. Sure. Exciting that, that we didn't have those things happen. So that is exciting also. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so, so how did so you see
0: God work this
1: thing out and establish this and confirm, this is really where I want you? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, people didn't know that we were taking this step. And when they did hear we were taking the, the step, they assumed... That our ministry was paying for us, so no money came in. Well, almost nothing came in, and we went into our first month. I mean, it's like going off of a cliff, John. And we have you know three kids in school, and uh, you know all the normal medical things and everything that all the families have. And so we had some some rough months, but then you know just really testing our faith. And the other question was, where are we supposed to operate? Sure. And so we, we did this to God. We put our hands up. I like, I, I work with all ages, and I like symbolism. So you know, when you put your hands up, it's a message to God. You know, I give up to you. I surrender. Mm. When it's like this, I'm holding on. I'm holding on to my security and everything. So my wife and I did this to God. We said, we'll live anywhere on the planet where you want us to operate this, this ministry, and we'll go. And I'm a little nervous about that, but we said, we will, by, your, by grace, by the grace of Jesus Christ, we will go. So, so slowly but surely, as the months uh, you know, passed by, God started taking care of us in unusual ways. Sometimes there would be a knock at the door, and someone would say, would you, would you like some vegetables? Oh, yes, we would like some vegetables. You get the idea. Yeah. Sometimes there would be a check in the mail, whatever. But very slowly, and, but God always provided just what we needed for rent, for the basic things. And then one day as we were praying, and this is a whole other story in itself, but one day as we are praying... He, he made it clear to us that we should go to Alberta, Canada. And uh, that's a, a whole adventuresome story. My wife, by the way, does not do well in cold. And so we really asked God, and she asked God, is this really you? And again, through prayer and waiting on him and, and the steps that we've already talked about, testing in the word of God, being vulnerable to the word of God, it became clear, no, he is calling us. To go Mm -hmm. to Alberta, Mm -hmm. Canada. Mm -hmm. So, my wife's the detail person, so she did all the detail work, and I worked with her on that. She made a lovely notebook for both of us as a couple and also our daughter. We had one daughter still living at home, our youngest daughter. And so, got that all ready. Everything was in readiness to go to Canada except for one thing, and the one thing left was the most important thing. And that is, we had no uh, invitation from Canada you know, for a special visa for us to go, not as a visitor, but to live there, okay? So, so I said, so God, what do we do? So our daughter needed to go into school. It was coming right up to the fall. We are weeks away and still nothing. We call our, our lawyer up in Canada who is overseeing the process, the move process, and all the detail work, and how long will it be? Oh, another five, six months. So we take this back to God. So God, are we supposed to put a hold on this? And as we pray, God says, I have urgency for you to go to Canada. I said, well, God, if you have urgency, then, then, then uh, please bring this in the mail. Nothing, day after day. Now we're just, yeah, again, it's just a couple weeks out of school. I said, God, what do we do? Put your feet in the Jordan. I said, you want me to, uh, you're not asking me to go illegally across. I mean, I'm not going to, that's, that's not right. <laughs> God, almost, I can picture him chuckling. No, not illegal. Go by faith up to the border of Canada. Without my paperwork? Yes, without my paperwork. So, so we, we put everything into the van. We had to get rid of some things. Everything we possessed into a little truck I could drive. So, I mean, no one's paying for it. So, I mean, I have to drive the, the moving truck. Before, and when I was a paid pastor, people would move me, you know. Uh, we pack, they move. Now, I'm, I'm packing and moving. And so, and my wife's driving our, our little van behind us. And we go a thousand miles up to the border. And every day we check our email and uh, with expectation that something will happen, good, from the lawyer, nothing, 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 mile after mile. But guess what? On the very morning, we're two miles away, literally, from the border to cross into Canada. Guess what happened? Just guess. Uh,
0: you got an email saying, here's the paperwork, download it, and go to the border, and we're going to welcome you to Canada. No, hey?
1: nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing at all? No, nothing. I'm two miles away.
0: <laughs> and oh, I so oh,
1: God home, which we don't even have anymore. Home is is a 1,000 miles behind me, and we're two miles away. And, and God, there's nothing from the lawyer. I have no legal way to cross. What do I do? And that still small voice of God says, keep putting your foot in the Jordan. I said, so what does that mean? Go to the border and present your papers. But God, I said, this is all, you know, just direct with, with God. God I said, my wife has lovely notebooks with everything but the one main thing that we have to have. Go. Put your feet in the Jordan. So we hop into the trucks and we go. We're going up there. And, of course, they wave me. They see me in in the big moving truck. They wave me over because this is not going to just be show your passport and come for a visit. So they wave me over. They know I need to have a sit-down visit with the officers. So our little family troops in there, we present our lovely notebooks and they go through it. And the man is impressed. Impressed. He said wow your wife has done such a wonderful job i'm starting to sweat a little bit because yeah. i know what's coming and his, and his brow furrows and he says but you are missing something sir you don't have your proper paperwork from our government to allow you to move here you're not visiting correct i said no we're not visiting you're moving here right yes sir and you don't have it no sir then follow me Oh, I thought I was in trouble. And so we follow the officer. He gets up, you know, and, and, we, and, he, and I don't know. Are we going to go into some kind of clinker for a while? I mean, I don't know if we're in trouble. I, I don't know. And so he leads us uh, right outside, and he goes right up to the truck. Is this your truck? Yes, sir. How far did you come? Oh, a thousand miles. He shakes his head like this. I can tell he's getting ready to tell me something, and I can feel it's not good. Yeah. The, these, these people are not paid to have sympathy or compassion. Absolutely. He's not paid to apply the law. He's not paid to get me into Canada. He's paid to keep me out unless if I have proper documentation. Correct. Absolutely right. And I'm glad you brought that out because (laughs) uh, you'll understand what happens next. He shakes his head and he says, um, Sir, there is absolutely no way, it is impossible for me to get your family into our country. There is no way I can even conceive of that you can get into this country with the, the, the paperwork that you have. You're missing the primary document. And he walks away. I mean, that's it. Case closed. He walks away. And I literally, you know, we can pray without, you know, talking out loud. And so I, I, I send up a prayer to God. And it goes like this. It's very simple. Help. God, I need help. Here's my wife. Here's my daughter. And bless their hearts. They're watching him walk away. And I know they're thinking, and we're thinking, are we going back a thousand miles? No. God told us to go here. And do we feel like a fool? Yeah, we feel foolish, but it's what God told us to do. And, And so I said, God, I need you to intervene. I need your help right now. And as soon as I said amen, the officer, and remember this is a silent prayer, the officer spins on a dime and comes, like an about face, and he comes marching right back up to me. Strange, because I never said a word out loud. And he says to me a question that a Canadian, my Canadian friends say, is never asked by an officer. He says he leans forward and he says very uh, kindly, "What were you hoping that I would do for your family?" Officers are not trained to figure out what we are hoping they would do for our family. No. And so I, I, I thought, I don't know if he's a believer or not. And I said, "Sir, I said I don't know if you're a believer in God or not, but I said God has moved us on our heart." to come up to Canada and do a special ministry to to strengthen the family and help families mentor their children to know Jesus and to walk with Jesus. He said, hmm. That's all he said. There's no flicker on his face. I don't know if he's a believer or not. Follow me, he says, just like that, curtly. follow me. So we go back in there. He says, please have a seat. For one hour he works on it, bless his heart, trying to find out what he already had told me is totally impossible. Two hours he works. Three hours he works, and then he gets another agent, and then another agent. So three agents are working, or officers are working. And four hours, five hours, after five hours, and we were just, we were praying and praying and praying. He says, Mac Clafferty family, please come forward. We come forward. And he has this, our passports there, and he goes, No way. He says, Welcome to Canada. And he found us a way. That's a whole other story, but he found us a way. And then I said, Sir, I said again, I don't know. I just dropped my voice. I don't know if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, but I said, may I pray a prayer of thanksgiving right now? Bless his heart. He looks to the left. He looks to the right. And he uh, and by the way, that's not the context of going into Canada in that setting. I mean, they they're not used to having people pray, certainly not out loud oh, absolutely. in that setting. Are you yeah. with oh, me there? One hundred percent. So so he's nervous. I, mean, he, I, think he's, I think I know the very border
0: crossing that that you're Probably talking about. we yeah. won't
1: say it, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> So He's nervous about it. And he says the third time, follow me. So we go out and I thought, I hope I didn't like upset him or something. And we go out there and I said, sir, I said, again, I don't know if you believe that God even is real or not. But God, the living God of heaven and earth, he just worked a miracle through you as an officer here at this border. Because you had told me that this was impossible and he found a way. And the man was shaken up, visibly shaken. And he said, what you don't know is the other part of the story. He said, just a few months ago, my wife and I, who have been followers of Jesus Christ, we gave up on our church. We just got discouraged. We gave up on the Lord Jesus Christ. We just said, he doesn't exist. Because he's not intervening in our life, we don't see any evidence of his existence, and we have given up on both, church and God. And he said, today, just seeing that what happened And he said, he looked us in the eye. He said, I know personally that I knew of no way to get you in. It was impossible. He said, I know that God lives. And today, as soon as I get off of my shift, I will go home to my wife and I will tell her the story. And we will believe together and we will make our home a place of worship. Fantastic.
0: God is able, isn't he? (laughs) He is. Yeah. um, Those border stories, they're doozies. What an amazing experience. You got into Canada. This thing started to go. We don't have too many minutes, so yes. so so briefly. And I want to ask you about some books you've written. Yeah, uh, tell me about the kind of uh, the kind of training opportunities you've had since that time.
1: Oh, God! Just worked in such a precious way across Alberta and other parts of Canada. Uh, God opened the door to start having revivals, and then to do discipleship training, and then of course we've continued to work around the world. Uh, as well in every continent except the antarctica we talked about yeah. so god's just moving and even in, during these days of, of pandemic god still opens the doors for revivals and discipleship training both online but also in person yeah fantastic god's yeah. moving
0: yeah, you, you know what i wish and i don't want to sound like a subversive saying this mm-hmm. be careful do your thing wear you whatever keep your distance whatever whatever but there's still a way Yes. There's always, still a way for a God way. to work. It, yes. it may look different. Yes. It may not be able to do it exactly the same, but there's still a way. The people who've thrown their hands up in here and said, everything's off, can't do nothing. I, I think their God is f- yeah. f- far too small. There's a way to get certain things done. And thank God many people have been able to go forward in ministry and, and church and so forth. And we do it respectfully. Oh, 100%. Whatever, yeah. yeah, we must. You've got, to, you've got to respect the context. But, but the idea that. Doors are shut. No, oh, I uh, think God is the. They're God.
1: opening faster than ever. Yeah,
0: Amen. Hey, so you wrote some books. Yes. Tell me about those. And, yes. And I won't even ask you why, because I know they're writing books is a lot of work. But God <laughs> has given you experiences. You put them on paper. So
1: tell me about. Them. Yes, and it's a joy to tell you about them because I don't sell them. You I don't I give them, them. away. Oh, okay. I'll give them to you. I'll, I'll give them to your ministry. I will give them to whoever wants them. So.
2: Fantastic. So
1: uh, these are the last five books, and I'll just tell you about them just real quick. One is Follow. Mm-hmm, Follow mm-hmm. Follow is a book about how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Every chapter is a step to do with Jesus. This is not just for your own devotions, John. Like if I, if I trust you with this, if I give this to you as a gift, it comes with a challenge. Go and read this with somebody that God calls you to disciple. Maybe someone who has a religious experience but doesn't have Jesus as their, as their disciple maker awesome. in their life. Right. Okay, so that's that. Right. This next one, Discipling the New Generations. Our daughter, Julie, and I wrote this together. For four years, we prayed and wrestled with God about how to do this. The first five lessons are for parents and mentors. The last 20 lessons are for parents, mentors, and their children and teens. Nice. Okay? Right. And the next one is Live Like Elijah. This little book is taking the, the powerful lessons of Elijah in the Old Testament and showing that the same God who lived back then, lives just as much today, and just as he provided for Elijah with nothing, it shares the the last three years of our life how God provided for us in crazy ways. Mm. Like sometimes um, in the snowstorm, we'd have a knock at the door and someone would say, could you use a bushel of, of, I know what it was, it was apples. And I said very calmly, even though I, I really needed the food right then, I said very calmly, yes, we can use some apples. I said, very politely, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And as soon as I shut the door with a bushel of apples, I said, April, I said, God has answered our prayers again and provided. So just full of stories like that. Yeah, fantastic. The next one is called come home. Come home. In this time of pandemic, even though we are home more than ever, maybe it's time that we come home with our hearts to what God wants to do in our homes. Because John, God has vision for our homes, for our families. This book can be used just for you personally. You and your wife could do it together. Uh, You can invite other families together. Either, if you're not comfortable doing that uh, in your home, you could do it online. And it's small group style, okay? Cool. And then the last one just came out, Schools and Discipleship. Nice. Schools and Discipleship is full of recipes of how a school can work with a home to disciple the kids intentionally. Mm these little recipes can also be used in lots of other avenues or, or venues with children and youth ministry outstanding
0: so anybody wants to get a copy of this book these books they're they downloadable do? for free okay.
1: on our website indiscipleship.org
0: okay indiscipleship uh, clearly one word and it's just spelt like it sounds
1: yes and then in we also we also give them away in boxes of a hundred yep if you tell me how you're going to use them, because we don't want to sacrifice to send you a box of 100 and you put it in storage. Yeah,
0: that's, 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 a, that's a crime. Don't we have about a minute left, just a little over a minute. I've got to get you to tell me in a minute, how do you understand the gospel? I mean, 60
1: seconds is not long enough, but, but you'll find a
0: way. Speak the gospel to, is What's a, the
1: gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And in Colossians 1.27, the mystery of the entire gospel is that Jesus Christ lives in you, lives in me, the hope of glory. And next verse, verse 28. And because of that, we find our completeness in this Christ. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our righteousness. And we are enough in Christ.
0: Amen. Amen. Don, it's been fun. It's not over. The journey's, I mean, God brought you all the way back across the continent to eastern Tennessee. Yes. And there's a whole lot more ahead. Mm. Thank you very much. May God bless you. Thank you. Your family, your partner in ministry, April, the yes. kids, and those you meet and interact with. Our prayers are with you always. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been a joy to meet with you. The website, again, is indiscipleship.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indiscipleship, one word, dot org. You can find out more about what Pastor McClafferty is doing, his ministry, how to support him, how to get the books which would change your life and the lives of others. Thank you so much for being part of our program today. I hope you've been encouraged and blessed and that it's going to be your mission inspired by God to be a disciple of Jesus and a maker of disciples. He is Pastor Don McClafferty. I am John Bradshaw, and this was our conversation.